Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of our time together. Some of you will be hearing this on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Some of you will be seeing it and hearing it on Facebook, however it is that you're watching it. Uh, I'm glad to have you with me today. I want to call our time together today. I want to call my talk, There Is No Problem. I had an appointment this last week with a doctor that I regularly go to, and I got to his office, and I said, well, how's it going? He said, oh, bad week, bad week. And I didn't want to go there, but I did. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, most of my Wednesday patients canceled because they were too upset with the election and the stuff happening in the Capitol here in the United States and all that. And he said, they got a real problem. They just got a problem. They oughtn't to let that stuff bother them. Then he proceeded to tell me how much it bothered him that they let it bother them and how he had to get away from his office and have somebody comfort him over the noon hour because he got so worked up about it. And he's talking about his patients' problems. And I'm thinking, he's got a problem. Listening to him for 15 minutes could have plunged me back into spiritual darkness. It didn't, but it could have. He ended up with telling me he was really concerned with the new government that's going to come into place in the United States because he was afraid they were going to cut health care reimbursements so much that he couldn't stay in practice and literally would have to put an out-of-business sign in his window. Now, I used to be totally caught up into politics and politicians and people who report news about politics and politicians. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be involved or shouldn't be interested in that, but at least for me, I've had a mystical experience and the counselor, capital C, the Holy Spirit of Christ in me has shown me that that's not my circus, not my monkeys. That circus, for me at least, is spiritual darkness. Both sides, both political parties, all think that there's a big problem, but only their political doctrine can solve that problem. And they all think, they each think that the people on the other side are part of the problems and are enemies. Now, thinking about problems, I want to give you a couple of illustrations. I want to go back to a situation to me that happened 51 years ago. In April of 1970, my wife, Kitsy, and I had not quite been married a year yet. During that 10 months or so, we'd both graduated from KU. She was teaching in a little country school called Marion Springs outside of Baldwin City, Kansas. I was running the music store that we'd bought two and a half months earlier. We were young and happy and healthy. We had lots of friends. Our married life was off to a great start. No problems. Everything was fine until it wasn't. I got a letter in the mail one day that April from the Henry County, Missouri Draft Board. 
They had determined that my uncle needed my services to prepare for a likely one-way trip to Vietnam. It was my draft notice. Well, we had an immediate problem, so I thought. I started imagining all the terrible consequences that could happen. It was just all-consuming for me. It was terrifying. I tried to come up with all sorts of ways to solve the problem. I was just consumed with fear. I feared the worst. Then, just a couple of days later, through what I now understand to be a divine appointment that God orchestrated through a good friend, that problem was averted. And the solution worked out better than I could ever have imagined or asked. I joined the Kansas National Guard Band, which I didn't even know existed a couple of days before, and I started a 24-year Army National Guard and Reserve career that was a great blessing to me in more ways that I could comprehend, and it continues now, 50 years later, with retirement income and lifetime health insurance for my wife and me and all kinds of wonderful friends that we made there. Turned out I never needed to worry or fear at all. God already had everything worked out. The things I worried about never came to be. Reminds me of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 3.20. He said, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish everything. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Well, I didn't even know that verse at the time or literally any other verse. But while I was at basic training in Fort Leonard Wood later that year in December 1970, far from home, sick with pneumonia, being outside in the bitter cold every day and some nights, having broken toes in one foot, and having to march for hours at a time, carrying a rifle and a heavy backpack, God manifested his presence to me in a special way and assured me over and over again that all was well. He was with me. He was with my wife at home, with our business, and that I would be okay. Well, it would be over 45 years later before I would read this following quote from George MacDonald. He said, so long as there dwells harmony... So long as the Son, capital S, loves the Father, capital F, with all the love the Father can welcome, all is well with the little ones. That's us. God is all right. Why should we mind standing in the dark for a minute outside his window? Great quote from George MacDonald, the Christian mystic writer, pastor, speaker, his sermons were unspoken sermons because he was defrocked and uh, uh, kicked out of his denomination because he believed that God was better than they thought he was. So he, most of these sermons he never got to speak, but he wrote them and he published them later. He said, as long as the Trinity loves each other, and of course their love never fails, all is well with us, no matter what our situation is. I want to go back to when I first received my draft notice in April of 1970. Just a couple of days after I got that draft notice, the United States launched Apollo 13, and everything was fine until it wasn't. There was an explosion on the spacecraft. The crew contacted NASA, their headquarters, and said, Houston, 
we have a problem. Some of us remember that. Some of us have even seen the great movie about that. Houston, we have a problem. The crew and everybody at Houston immediately started working as hard as they could to solve the problem. The whole nation, if not the whole world, was worried and fearful and envisioned the worst. What they worried about never happened. That story had a good ending. Now, do all stories that include problems like that, like I had with my draft notice or with that the astronauts had, do they all have a good ending? We'll get back to that. My wife and I have been to Jamaica a couple of times years ago, and we loved our time there. We loved the people. The people were really laid back, and there were different things that we were doing that we couldn't see, you know, how we were going to bring them about. There's stuff we wanted to do, and we'd ask for help. And the standard reply from the Jamaican people was, no problem, man. And that was man was their way of saying man. Just whatever it was, no problem. Well, I can't always say that to you. Of course, I can't solve all your problems, jobs, career, income, relationship, health, politics. But I can tell you without any doubt at all that what appears to be the greatest problem of all with mankind is not a problem, just not a problem. And in the process, as we understand that, you will come to realize and see all of your other problems differently. And you will have the counselor, capital C, who is in you already, help you with any and all of your other perceived problems. And we all have them. I can't actually solve the greatest problem, but I can show you the good news that there actually is no problem at all. Think about this. What if you were told there was a huge problem, one that caused you great fear, lots of worry, and you, through your own hard work and efforts, threw all of your resources into solving that problem for a long period of time, and then you found out there never was a problem, no problem at all? Well, you'd be relieved, right? You'd probably want to celebrate. You'd no longer worry. You can now put your resources and time and energy into something productive rather than something you were working to solve a problem where there was never any problem at all. Can you imagine a situation like that? What if most of the people on the planet Earth thought there was a huge problem and they were reminded of that huge problem every week, sometimes every day? What if most people on the planet worried and were afraid and put a big part of their resources and time and energy into trying to solve a problem that didn't even exist? You know probably what I'm referring to. That's exactly what has happened with us and God. We were told by well-meaning but misinformed people that we had a huge problem. Many people lived in fear and worried. Many people listen to well-meaning but misinformed people who are supposedly in the know remind us every week on Sunday mornings and sometimes several times during the week that we had a huge problem. But they told us there was good news, sort of. They had the solution. If we would just believe them and follow them and give them at least 10% of our resources and do what they said— jump through all the hoops and dot the I's and cross the T's, we could solve the problem, probably, but we can never really be sure. And some of us just threw our hearts and souls into that. And 
we've come to learn it never really worked. Then, what if you learned by a divine appointment, like I did when an old friend came and told me about what I didn't even know existed, the National Guard band, what if you learned by a divine appointment that there was never, ever really a problem between you and God at all, ever? Would that change things in your life? It'd be like a miracle, right? We're wrapping up a three-month series that we started in October 25th, a series on mystics and miracles and mystical events, a series that was inspired by teaching from my friend Steve McVeigh. Steve McVeigh said there are 10 characteristics of mystics that he had observed. He said a mystic is a person who enters into mystery. They push in to understand spiritual truth to the experiential level, and having experienced that truth, they are transformed. They're open to seeing things that they never saw before. And, of course, in religion, you get significance and value and promotion for buying into the party line fully. But mystics don't do that. Mysteries are things, of course, that have been kept secret but are now being revealed. So here are the 10 characteristics of mystics and mystics. Today's, we're going to look at our last one. Mystics value experience over dogma or doctrine. Mystics ponder existential questions of life, like what is God like? What's the meaning of life? Why am I here? Mystics tend to be uncomfortable with uncertainty. They don't have to have all the answers. Mystics value intuition, God in them, Christ in you, speaking to you. They get promptings or knowings or revelations. They take quantum leaps from not knowing something, something being unknown to them, to instantly knowing that. They tend to resent religious authority and maybe even authority in general. They're not scared of new ideas, and they realize no one group has all the answers. They tend to live by their own set of rules, not somebody else's. They look outside the box and listen to the voice inside. They put a real value on spiritual growth. The opposite is being comfortable with rituals and traditions and just going along with what everybody says and not being interested at all in rocking the boat or any variance. They believe that they are a conduit, not a container for divine life and power. They know they're not the source, capital S, but the source, capital S, is in them and flows through them to others. They realize that many times they are Christ to others. They're aware of and experience Christ living as them. They realize that in them they have a power source beyond themselves that is living not only in them, but as them. Mystics focus on love as the means of life. Love is the litmus test of how they act. They embrace moving further into love, and they know the source of love is God. And finally, number 10, mystics realize they don't know everything. See, the more you grow, the more you know how much you really don't know. Religion wants you to think you can know everything. Mystics realize ah, we'll, we'll just touch the, just the tip of the iceberg as far as the spiritual goes, the divine goes. We only know a little bit. Now, I believe everyone is a mystic. Mystic basically means you can hear from God, and you do hear from God. Some mystics have all 10 of these characteristics, some of them, whatever. Now, religious people, again, well-meaning but misinformed, thought they knew everything about what God was like 
And they thought there was a big problem. You have a problem. You are separated with God because of your sins. That's a problem. Religion says that's a huge problem. And we got to do something to get right with God, to make God like us, to make God come to us because he's out there somewhere. And then God, Jesus, a mystical man, came to earth and said, in essence, there's no problem. I'm here. There's no separation. The kingdom of God is here and with you and even in you right now. And you don't even know it. Religion didn't like that. So they eventually killed him. Well, his followers thought they had a huge problem when their leader died. But it turned out not to be a problem because God used that for the good of everyone. It turned out even better than they ever thought or imagined. Well, religion kept it up, telling people that there was a huge problem, that we're separated from God, we got to do things and make him like us to come to us. Then another mystic came along, a man by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul, and said, no, 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 there's no problem. He said, I've talked to Jesus personally, he even took me up to heaven. He spent time with me alone, just me and him in the Arabian desert for 13 years, and there's no problem. He said, there's no separation. The kingdom of God is here and with you, even in you right now. Everyone is in Christ. In Colossians 3.11, he says, Christ is in all and is all. In Colossians 1.27, here's the mystery that God revealed to me. Christ is in all people. Religion said, no, 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 no. There's a huge problem. When you see the word all in Scripture, religion said, it doesn't mean all. It only means some of all. <laughs> well, the Apostle Paul said no, and he just kept writing. All means all. God revealed to Paul in a mystical experience that there was no problem, that human beings only thought we had a problem in our minds, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Our minds were spiritually dark. We were blind. We thought we were enemies with God. We thought we had a huge, huge problem with God, but we didn't. Paul wrote this to the church in Colossae, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He said, God has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness. There's no problem. He has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son, the kingdom of light where there is no darkness. There's no problem. He said, for in the son, for in Jesus, all our sins are canceled. There's no sin problem. And we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Colossians 1, 22 and 23, or 21 and 22, he said, you were once alienated and enemies with God in your mind, thinking you had a problem with God because of the bad things that you did. But now he's reconciled you in the body of his flesh through Jesus' death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Some versions say holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Guess what's not in the original versions? <laughs> in his sight. No, he has made you already holy, blameless, and above reproach. He has canceled your sin problem. He's taken you out of darkness and put you into the kingdom of light. There is no problem between you and God or between anyone and God. Another man named John, who knew Jesus better than anyone on earth when Jesus was here, had several mystical experiences. He called them being in the spirit. One of those experiences was when he received the revelation of Jesus Christ and wrote the last book of the Bible. And he started it out by saying, I was in the spirit. And then he wrote the revelation of Jesus. 
By the way, just as an aside, it's not the book of Revelations. It's singular. It's the revelation of Jesus. John said, God is love, and perfect love casts out all fear, because fear has to do with punishment. There's no problem. There's no fear of punishment. He wrote, Jesus is the Savior of all people. He wrote, God, he said, God is love. And he quoted Jesus in saying, God is pure light with no trace of darkness at all. He wrote in 1 John 2, 20, the Christ anointing within you, every one of you, is evidence that you echo what you carry. The Holy Spirit has made Christ tangible in your life, and you can now see clearly. Well, that sounds like voodoo to many people, especially religious people. The Holy Spirit making Christ tangible in your life being able to see things clearly, being able to hear from God clearly, having the mind of Christ, Jesus being the Savior of all people, nobody needing to have any fear with God. Those things are not compatible with the problem we've been told we have with God. But there is no problem. This is a mystical revelation that you have to get from God directly. You won't get it from religion, for sure. Mystics are those who enter into mystery. They push into understanding spiritual truth and the experiential level of truth. Having experienced truth, this is what my friend Steve McVeigh writes, they are transformed. They're open to seeing things they never saw before. In religion, you get significance and value and promotion for wholeheartedly buying into the party line doctrine and dogma. But Steve says, and I agree, mystics will outgrow the religious culture they live in, and in fact, they may be pushed out of it by those who are not open to mystery. Mystics, however, I would add, take heart with words like I read before from Ephesians 3.20 that Paul wrote, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish everything. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination, no matter how bad you think the problem is. He will outdo anything you can imagine because his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Remember I asked earlier, do all stories that include a problem have a good ending? And I said, we'll get back to that. Well, of course they don't. There have been other stories, maybe your stories, that didn't seem to work out as well. You had a problem. You worried. You were fearful. You threw all of your efforts and resources into solving a problem, and it didn't seem to turn out well. Maybe you got a draft notice, and you went to Vietnam and suffered a day from PTSD or physical illness or wounds. Another Apollo mission didn't turn out well. Maybe today your health or your finances or your relationships or your career are not going the way you'd hoped. Maybe your political party has taken a beating. Maybe you put your hope in someone and you feel like they failed you. Well, what then? Do you have a problem? Here's our takeaway for today. Ultimately, because of the Trinity's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's unconditional, never-failing love and grace, because they are working all things for the good of everyone, because they do know the end from the beginning, on that day, which is today, every day, everything is being made right for everyone. So how do we navigate the present? Three things. First, ask God, and God will speak to you. Ask God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what they want 
your circus to be, who they want to be your monkeys. And don't worry about any other circuses or monkeys. Don't even read about them or watch the news about them. You'll only get mad and depressed and discouraged and criticize people and parties who believe differently than you do. I'm preaching to myself here. Let those things go. Unless God, of course, tells you that that is your circus and monkey. Live each day, second thing, with grace for that day, knowing that there is no problem for you or anyone with God. There is no problem for you or anyone with God. No buts, no if you only knew, no, no. There is no problem for you or anyone with God. Third thing, love everybody else like Christ loves you. And as he leads you, tell them the good news that there is no problem for them either. Now, in closing, I want you to be aware that like with Jesus, the Apostle Paul, Apostle John, with George MacDonald, religion won't want to hear these things because they know that if people believe this truth, if people know there is no problem with us and God, religion will have to put a sign on their building that says, out of business. But when that happens, what has seemed to be a big problem, we know is not. God is continually working out all things for the good. And here's what God's doing. Here's what I see right now. Now, I'm not saying churches are bad. I'm not saying that good things don't happen in churches. I'm saying that organized religion that tells you that God is not good, not nice, not for you, doesn't love you, will punish you, that's bad. That's a lie. And what God is doing right now is raising up small groups of people like he did in the first church. Groups of people, three or four people at a time, eight or 10, 15 or 20, little communities, not organized religions with doctrines and rules and dogma and hierarchy and superstar leaders, but wonderful little groups like in Acts 2, in the book of Acts in the first century, communities of Christ followers who know the only true God, Papa, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, grace, and their unconditional, never failing love and grace for all. And people in those small groups, I'm seeing it all over the world now, instead of being like the organized religious institutions who are known for what they're against and who they exclude and who they judge and who they condemn, people are now all over the world in small little groups organizing in coffee shops and homes and online and stuff are known for their love, for loving others just like Christ loves us. People are realizing they are mystics. They hear from God personally because they know God personally. And they know God is love. People are no longer judging and condemning and excluding. And they are instead, like God, and like many of you who are listening today, are loving and including and accepting and forgiving and not judging and are giving grace to each other and to all people. And as the very last book in the Bible says, in the very last verse in the Bible, grace is with and in all people, and all means all. And I would add a footnote that says, there is no problem for you or me or anyone with God ever. That's good news. Love you all. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, 
and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.